from WAMU 88.5 at American University in Washington. Welcome to the Kojo Nandi Show, connecting your neighborhood with the world. You know what that weird music means. <laughs> Even though it's December, they are still here. John Gilroy, director of business development for BLT Global Ventures. He is a computer guy. Welcome, John Gilroy. Welcome. Uh, welcome to Giving Tuesday. <clears throat> it's the computer guys and gal. Bill Harlow is a hardware and software technician for Max and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. And Allison Druin is a professor at the iSchool at the University of Maryland and special advisor for National Digital Strategy at the National Park Service. We must note that Allison Druin's views are not representative of the National Park Service or the United States government, but... We've already heard that before, so it's hardly interesting. What <laughs> is interesting? We, we have a censor here. And now we'll ask Bill and John, who do you not speak for? <laughs> <laughs> I speak for everyone. Oh, no. I do not speak for the, Bulgar- speak for, the people. for the Bulgarian beer producers. I do not speak for them. You do not to, speak for the Bulgarian make that perfectly clear. Bill Harlow, do you not speak for the White House? You do not speak for the White House? Okay, on this I don't bucket? speak for the White House. Oh, in that case, we have a White You're House in good company. spokesperson in the studio. <laughs> you mm. can speak for yourself by calling 800-433-8850, usually after Halloween, but sometimes before. We start to see the Christmasification, if you will, of things. Holiday music begins playing on loop and decoration displays crop up unannounced. This holiday creep, as we like to call it, is sneaky yet totally predictable. Bringing us to our first topic, the Internet of Things. Like the Christmasification of things, it too snuck up on us. It's everywhere, it's divisive, and yet there seems to be little anyone can do to decrease its popularity. So, John Gilroy, can you remind us again what is the Internet of Things? Well, you better get used to it because it's going to be everywhere. They're putting sensors and all kinds of things, and a lot of people think about factories and cars, but increasingly in homes, are going to have a lot of sens- sensors everywhere. I was talking to one fellow, I think I mentioned this last month, he had 47 IoT enabled devices in his house. And so people are looking at all this data that's being collected, trying to figure out is it good or bad or happy or glad? What's the value of all this? And I, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be. Uh, uh, a deluge from a garden hose to a fire hose to just a you know inundation of, of data and how do you understand it and I think the next next part of this IOT is just trying to to get data visualization understanding what all this stuff is all about IOT is just so many places it's incredible so is it now too old-fashioned for me to just say happy birthday John on your birthday do I have to have some kind of device so that it all becomes a part of the Internet of Things? Well, actually, we'll be reading your mind soon. <laughs> no. well, happy birthday, Joe. <laughs> it's not my birthday. It's you a fake day. You said on Facebook it's it was your birthday, No, I John. did not. Facebook did it because I gave him a fake date just to test him. Oh, you're terrible. See, that's the Internet I'm taking of back things. my gift. But what you... exactly is the value of this kind of technology? All right. Well, okay. So when we think about the Internet, it's a, distrib- it's a distributed network, okay, of systems. And when we say the Internet of Things, it's a distributed network of things, okay, of objects that actually talk to each other. So, for example, you may have um, a house alarm or or actually lights or energy, and you may may be able to use your cell phone um, just to go and increase the temperature in your house before you get there. Um, Or the 
temperature in your house is actually for some reason goes up strangely and so an alarm will go off so because it's all connected together so the idea is that it's it's sort of a smart home kinds of ideas but now that also is part of what's been going on in factories for a long time um in security systems and monitoring and so on. And it's so it, it's a little bit creepy. Yeah, our things are getting smart. Our things are getting connected. But then we have to ask ourselves, what about the privacy? What about the security? What are we really sharing with people? I guess it's only a matter of time before I'm pressured to buy that smart home thermometer or smart home security system. Um, how about you, Bill? Are you appreciative or overwhelmed by the Internet of Things? So, I mean, you were just talking about smart home items, and I've got uh, lights I can control uh, using Wi-Fi. They're actually Internet-based. I can control them remotely. I've got a Nest uh, thermostat. Um, Me too. I love it. Yeah, it's great. But, yeah, the, the uh, security implications are kind of huge because all these are um, – we used to have dumb things, and we didn't think about, well, I don't have to worry about my old thermostat and its security. I just, you know, press a button or move uh, move a dial, and that's it. And now suddenly all these devices – which may or may not be updated and secured, um, become a liability in your own home. Um, and the Internet of Things, I mean, just the Internetization of things has, has been a problem, too. VTech recently got hacked. They sell toys. You know, they used to be just, you know, activity toys. You press a button and it makes a noise and it lights up. Now your kid <laughs> can have a toy tablet. And they, when they were hacked, a lot of demographic info they collected um, was exposed, including information about kids. Um, you know, including um, chat logs and photographs they sent because one of these toys let you communicate with uh, your parent if you're a child. It's just a fun way for an adult with a smartphone to chat with a kid. And, and many of these devices that have I and are enabled, they're yeah. not designed with security first. They're designed for convenience first. Right. One has to wonder how secure this is. They're and, selling features, yeah. and then the security comes later in many cases. And and, and, and some people say 40% of the value of it is its interoperability, and, and these are standards that are changing all the time. There's new devices, and it, it's going to be trouble for people. I can see it right now. What do you think? 800-433-8850. Are you appreciative or overwhelmed by the Internet of Things? 800-433-8850. You can send email to kojo at org or shoot us a tweet at Kojo Show using the hashtag TechTuesday or go to our website, kojoshow.org. Join the conversation there. For those already looking ahead to tech trends in the future, the digital media futurist Amy Webb will be here next Tuesday to discuss what to anticipate in next year's technology news. That's our Tech Tuesday conversation for next Tuesday. Something that's really come alive this year is the use of virtual reality. Just last month, the New York Times debuted its first report told via virtual reality goggles. I have used a pair of those this morning, compliments of our producer, Michael Martinez. But, <laughs> Allison, it falls to you to describe how virtual reality works. How is it different than putting on, say, 3D glasses? Well, it's interesting because... Um, do you remember the Viewmasters, the old yes, Viewmasters we used to use, when we, uh, the toy ones? You put a little round thing in, and you see a picture, and then you yes. click a button, and, and you go to the next picture. picture. I'm too so, young for that. I know. And yes. then it got to be, uh, you could see 3D pictures, all right? Woo! And you could click the buttons and so on. Now... Actually, it turns out Mattel even has a VR version of their Viewmaster where you can actually put in your cell phone into these glasses. And instead of just seeing a static picture, you're actually, when you move your head, you're actually seeing a scene. Exactly okay? right. And um, and some of those scenes are really amazing. And it says, "Woo, I'm there. I'm in Paris. I was looking at the Eiffel Tower in Were Paris you? this morning there and walked go. into my desk. There you go. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm, I'm excited for you. But. 
that you got to work on not walking into things, not like. I was walking it, towards the tower. <laughs> it was so real. It was so real. Jumping into the river, all these things. So we got a problem, though. When we have virtual reality, we're, we're blocking out the physical reality. Make sure you're in a space. And, yep. <laughs> and, and, um, and you could you, you end up not talking to other people or they, they're not able to see your scene. Or, Kojo, were you holding one of these that you had to hold yes. up, hold it up with your arms? Yes. So guess what? You can only hold this thing up on your face, on your nose, for about 20 minutes before you go, ah, oh, I can't do this anymore. So there are more expensive ones. So, for example, um, uh, Oculus, which really it was the company that really started this trend recently, um, has made a consumer model with Samsung, uh, the Samsung Ge- uh, Gear VR and that one has a, a strap to put on your head so you don't oh. have to hold it. You know, it's got a mushy nose piece so that, you know, you're not, but when you bang into that wall, you're not going to break your nose. Yeah, when I walk into the nearby <laughs> creek, I can swim. Exactly. Exactly. It also has a lot of content. So we have to ask ourselves how much content comes with whatever it is you're using. Now, what's really cool is Google actually started getting this really all over the place for people, especially for teachers, um, recently with the Google Cardboard Kits. Okay, you can actually um, create a VR holder. I mean, you know, this is like stuff that used to be, what, thousands and thousands of dollars. You fold up this cardboard kit, you stick in your cell phone. That says more about the, how good the phones have gotten than, I know. than anything Isn't else, this really. wonderful? And so actually, in fact, teachers go online, get into the Expedition Pioneers program, okay, for Google. I do not work for Google. Um, I do not represent Google. I do not represent Google. You don't speak for Google. I, I speak for Google. I don't speak That's for the trees, okay. for you anything else. speak for else. anyone at all? Okay. <laughs> uh, possibly not. But anyway. Um, you need six or more teachers in your school to agree, but go and try this out. This is really great. You get, you can get a kit and they and download the app, and they'll give you, uh, they'll tell you where what you can do, and you can basically take your whole um, classes on 3D tours of a coral reef of different um, places. It's it's wonderful. So. It's. I think it's the hot and happening new thing for the. Uh, for Which the, raises I, the question: Is this a gimmick? The New York Times, as we mentioned, used a virtual reality goggles to tell a story. Will this, you think, be a lasting way to tell stories, or is it just something that's for now? I. You know, it's interesting. I am a big believer in augmented reality, not necessarily virtual reality. I think that the combination of the physical and the virtual together. Are, is probably going to be a lasting, is probably going to be more lasting. But look, we sit in front of our videos today and we watch videos uh, for what, two and a half hours, and we are immersed in that space. So this may be our next um, set of videos and movies. 800 8850. Have you tried virtual re- reality goggles? What did you think? If you've tried virtual reality games or news before, did you enjoy it? What does it offer you that traditional media can't? 800 8850. Now, let's participate in the time honored holiday tradition of deciding who's been naughty and who's been nice. Or. As it's known, the rest of the year, passing judgment. I'd like to present <laughs> several stories that have cropped up in tech news this month, and each of you can tell us whether it strikes you as right or wrong. You can call to 800-433-8850. In today's age, where so many people make their relationships public on social media, a breakup can leave you feeling unnecessarily exposed, with not only your ex, but your shared memories haunting you at every login. 
To aid in ending a relationship, Facebook is testing a new tool that clears memories of your ex from your news feed and blocks their updates without unfriending them entirely. Does this tool give you more control over your personal life by encouraging healthier use of social media? How would you feel about ceding additional control of your social life and emotional well-being to an algorithm? Give us a call, 800-433-8850. John Gilroy, I'll start with you. Because <laughs> you have no personal life. So. No, there are CEOs that get assigned, and they come in. So Kojo gets named CEO, and instead of doing a face-to-face with Bill, he sends off a little email. You're fired. And uh, there's something about this face-to-face confrontation, some kind of a relationship. I mean, if it is a relationship, I think it has to be done in a face-to-face. I would think that's the best way to do it. And as far as... Uh, having them erase, you're letting them pick and choose what to erase or not to erase. So anyway, I think this is uh, not the most ridiculous thing ever heard of, but it's close. Well, a lot of people like to break up and say, well, we're still friends, so I'm not exactly unfriending you from Facebook, but I really don't want to see your face ever again. Well, and it's really interesting. (laughs) Most people will not unfriend people, okay? They really, you know, that's like a big, big, like, faux pas. It becomes political. It really does. So (laughs) this is what it's doing is normally you break up with somebody and then you have to go through all of your feed and untag these people so you don't have to see these pictures and so on in your, in your, uh, you know, in your life. And actually, who wants to go through looking at pictures of the person that you just broke up with? So what they're doing here is they're making it so it's a little bit more automated. So you don't have to go through all of your pictures and go, gosh, I don't want to look at Bill anymore. I just, uh, you know, whatever. So, um, so basically, when you tell people at, that you're changing your relationship status, yes. then it will automatically give you options to say, do you want to clear all the tags of that person? Do you want to, you know, un- do you want to block certain things and so on and I think it's actually I think it's pretty kind and I think it's pretty good knowing how people feel sad about going through things and it's very sad too because when somebody dies you also have to think about what do you do in terms of their Facebook feed and how do you how do you take care of it my cat my dog these are my companions exactly when, exactly and they pass i have to inform facebook that a relationship has changed exactly it's very very sad <laughs> what because... world are we living in this is bizarro no, world i, I think it's this great i mean we, you know a lot of people use social media and you know you need ways of dealing and this is i think at least trying to look at how humans deal with when things get really messy and, and algorithms maybe not perfect but yeah at least it's recognizing that you need some time um, you don't necessarily want to see this stuff uh, your life is intertwined with somebody else's maybe you've got a circle of friends that you still share and it's complicated and anything you can do to make it uh, feel um, you know heal essentially afterwards it, it's well, useful well let's talk with david about he feels about the internet of things david in reston virginia you're on the air david go ahead please so my alarm company sold me a new system that has wireless connection and it's always on and i can access it from the phone so yes. i go to the website to configure this puppy so i can get to it from my phone and what does it require the whole dang thing is a flash application. Oh, oh no, that's terrible. I'm going to name the company Honeywell because they deserve to be shamed for that. You're right. No, they're not. They're not. They're naughty. They're not nice. They're definitely <laughs> naughty. Oh, oh, no David. kidding. Oh, get and your money back. 
it's not even good flash. I found a couple of bugs just trying to configure it, let alone figure out how to use it. So, uh, well, before we leave, uh, Bill and I will break in and turn the lights all on your house before the <laughs> <laughs> studio this afternoon. Well, I'm sorry that had to happen to you, David, but very glad that you shared it with us so that people <laughs> understand some of the pitfalls very of the naughty. internet. Of things. Thanks for your call. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more with the computer guys and gal. You can call us at 800-433-8850. Tell us your experiences with the Internet of Things, or if you've tried virtual reality goggles. Send email to kojo at org or tweet at Kojo Show. I'm Kojo Nandi. It's the computer guys and gal. They are here. You hear the giggling in the background. <laughs> Alison Druin is a professor at the iSchool at the University of Maryland and special advisor for national digital strategy for the National Park Service. Bill Harlow is a hardware and software technician for Max and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. And John Gilroy is director for business development for BLT Global Ventures. Eric in Sykesville, Maryland, Maryland would like to share a virtual reality story with us. Eric? You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Uh, yes, good afternoon. First of all, I wanted to say I love the show. Um, I had a client who had gotten the Oculus Rift uh, a little bit early because he was a software developer. Um, I'm a millennial. I'm in my 30s. I've been playing video games and things since I was a young child, and this was probably the most amazing thing that I could ever experience. It just does really immerse you into uh, like a, a totally different world, and I really think that that's that's the future. I'm looking into trying to invest in some of the organizations that are doing that. Um, just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. How long did you stay in that world? Well, it was only about ten or fifteen minutes, but like the best thing is that you look around, and I mean, it's you know, you, you can look behind you, you look look down. Um, the program that he was using, I was, like, flying through space, and I just have to say it was absolutely amazing. You're sitting in a cockpit, like, in a seat in this, in this one particular game, and if you look down and you can see your legs, um, the, the operator's hands and all that, it was just really, really, really amazing. I can't wait to see Bill what Harlow, happens. Eric has seen up. the future, and he loves it. Well, I'm glad he said that because I'm sure talking about it, we sound like a bunch of knuckleheads. It's one of those things where when you when you, when you you try it, when you try it, 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 it kind of becomes like immediately apparent how cool it is. Um, I think the, the, the demo you were talking about was called Titans of Space, which is a really cool exploration uh, experience, and it's you know actually uh, somewhat educational, too. Um, and I experienced that with uh, a borrowed Oculus Rift developer, developer Kit 1, which is probably one of the uh, – it, it, it was the crudest version of the mm -hmm. Oculus Rift. And it was still incredible. It was low res, um, a bit blurry, and the motion wasn't perfect. But uh, I've heard reports of the latest ones that are very close to production, and apparently they are – really amazing and uh, feel uh, much more realistic and also and this is a big one to me um easier on on your uh, perception so you don't feel as nauseous that's a problem with virtual reality is that it's so convincing uh that if the movement doesn't sync up with what your body's expecting uh, you can feel a little queasy well also if you have glasses if you wear glasses and you wear certain goggles they're going to crush your face yeah comfort's a big one they're working yeah. on that a lot too yeah um and the, uh, honestly for kids you also have to worry about lice 
I know that sounds bizarre, but uh, I, John, you don't have much hair. You don't worry about it. But anyway, the little kids in schools, you can't be passing these things around um, with the... What about flu season and, and, and these things, too? You're putting yeah. them on your face, after all. Exactly. So you have to think about these things. You also have to think about how long you can wear them for. And um, right now, people are saying about 20 minutes, then you've got to take a break. Um, so you say to yourself, well, you know... Um, that's 20 minutes of having your cell phone right up against your eyes. Is that good for your eyes? I don't know. I think people have to do some experimentation with this. We got a tweet from Paul Varga who says, if there was only an app that would stop my wife from rolling her eyes when I ask for virtual reality goggles. Let her try it out. That's not your eyes. That's nice. Find, oh. find a demo. Let her try it out. That's all it'll take, honestly. That's great. Singer Adele. Singer Adele has smashed several sales records with her latest album, 25, but she's made it pretty clear she will not be rewarding listeners by allowing apps like Spotify to stream her entire album. However, the streaming app Pandora has found a loophole because it imitates traditional radio and plays a mix of songs that listeners cannot choose on their own. Pandora is actually playing every song from Adele's album, but out of order, mixed in with other songs. What's your take? Is this poor taste to go against a musician's wishes like this, or is Pandora simply within its rights to go ahead and do this? I am with Pandora, actually. I, 100%. That's where I'm now. We're on radio now. Fair is fair. Yeah, well, I'd say if I were a recording artist, I would be looking very carefully at how Pandora treats people. I mean, that matters. I mean, you want to have some say in, in, in how your product is consumed, and, you know, maybe it's a little, a little backwards compared to the way a lot of people prefer to um, listen to music, but it's still her right, and it's, you know... Legal, yes. Um, t um, rights, eh, kind of great. I mean, she, she's sold more records than anyone. I think four million in sales. I mean, w w is she looking for something to complain about? She didn't I sell mean, those <laughs> by 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 uh, you know giving away her stuff. She, I'm sure she maybe people heard it in Pandora and bought them. There are other artists less affluent who are subjected to this treatment also. Well, I mean, just remember, okay, uh, radio stations pay a federal fee. To be a radio station. And Pandora does the same. And Pandora does the same. And so, you know, what they're doing is they're replicating the, the old model of, look, you have no choice of, of what you're listening to and when. And, um, and yeah, I, yeah, it, it's true. They found the, they found the loophole. Um, but you also have to say to yourself, well, maybe this is actually adding to her sales because now she's getting more promotion on uh, on various things. And, and some would say that radio is a, a promotion tool. That's what it used to be in the past, certainly for artists and for music. You hear their music on the radio, then you actually go out and you buy the album or you actually go to see the performer, which is where, of course, a lot of artists make all their money. But in this case, Adele seems to... Um, object to it because she probably thinks it's putting a dent in her album sales rather than increasing her album sales. We all discussed ad-blocking software before and how it's presented problems for websites that derive revenue from ads. Now companies like Yahoo are starting to openly resist such software. Two weeks ago, when a select number of Yahoo users logged into their email, they saw a pop-up that refused to budge unless they turned off their ad blocker. While this was just an experiment, Yahoo's test hints that companies will keep trying to circumvent ad blockers. So should they withhold your email to do so, John? Well, Yahoo is hurting for certain. They're looking under every <laughs> nook and cranny and lifting up stones trying to find money. And, uh, hey, they, they push people here. I'm sure they're going to push them many different ways, increase rates, but they're competing with some, you know, they're competing with 
you know, a lot of big big companies out there, Bing and Google. And so, well, I just think they're it's like it's like you know, it's like kids in the schoolyard. I push this kid, so we get away with push, 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 and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to push, 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 and they get pushed back. And uh, it's fair. So they're getting pushed back. That's good. Well, we have to remind ourselves. Okay, what fuels a lot of the free internet? It's ads. Google came up with um, some of the best, uh, most subtle ways in the early days of, you know, just putting keyword type ads, just um, a, a short little, um, uh, a short little uh, link to get to something else. Now ads have become uh, quite intrusive and uh, been all over, you know, even making it so that we download things. It's, it's really, you know, it, it slows everything down. Um, on the other hand, you have to say to yourself, well, maybe you should be willing to let things get slow for a while because, you know, you're not paying. You want to pay. There's another option. A lot of it. A lot of what matters in this is, yeah, whether the ads are incredibly obnoxious, um, whether they use a lot of data in the case of a mobile experience, whether they take up your entire screen and basically make it non-functional. So I think, yeah, you know, Yahoo's a business. They got to look out for themselves. Uh, I agree with that. That said, um, the idea of essentially uh, having this cat and mouse game where they're constantly fighting back it feels a little weird. And I don't know. I've never really had an issue when I've done my best to uh, avoid ads or, or. I think their test also sounds a little bit broken. I mean, this yeah. is from the researcher. I'm going to put the researcher hat on for a second and say, I would not have just selected a random group of people and said, sorry, you can't get your email now until you take <laughs> off your ad blocker. I mean, that's not so good. I'd, I'm not seeing, like, you're using a stick and you need a carrot to fix this. Gee, it sure be a shame if you couldn't yeah. get your email, yeah, huh, guys? Yeah, where did that team get their MBAs from? I mean, come on now. Give uh, us a call. How important are ad blockers to you? 800 433 8850. You can send email to kojo.wmu.org or a tweet at Kojo Show. Getting back to the virtual reality issue, we got an email who's said from someone who says, Since 2003, I've led a project called V Ecotourism. We're using virtual reality to connect people around the world with wildlife. Most people on the planet, for instance, can't afford to see the mountain gorillas in a virtual and immersive interactive visit has less of a carbon footprint than a real one. That email came to us from Max in Vermont. Makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I'd be very careful about that in Indonesia, though. (laughs) Not everybody can go on safaris like John Gilroy. Here now is Deanna in Clarkville, Maryland. Deanna, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. um, This is about the, the Facebook breakup tool or whatever you think. Um, <laughs> breakup tool? I'm, yeah. I'm, yes. I'm just saying that um, I, I'm highly distrustful of Facebook because they've been uh, actually caught manipulating their users by, you know, putting positive and negative uh, posts um, in people's feeds with their algorithm to, you know, track that user's uh, response in their um, posting pattern. So while it seems nice at first, I don't know. I, I, I don't trust it. It seems fishy to me. And also a quick note about ad block. Um, I understand that a lot of businesses love um, to use ads because it helps provide free content. But they also do a lot of, you know, data collection and personal tracking through those ads. And that's, that's something that I also, you know, am not, So, Deanna, are you still on Facebook at all? And if you are, what have you done if you have experienced a breakup? Um, 
I, I, I still use Facebook. I'm not as on it as often as I use uh, Twitter, but I use Facebook, and I don't really date, so I guess I'm not the best person to answer for that question. Have you ever unfriended anyone? Oh, yeah, I unfriend people all the time <laughs> if they annoy me. No, no problem. <laughs> not a problem for you, Deanna, unfriending people. No. Okay, thank you very much for your call. You too can call us, 800-433-8850. On any of the topics that we have been discussing so far, here is Tom in Washington, D.C. Tom, your turn. All right, you can hear me? Yes, we can. All right, hi. Um, Thanks for the show. Uh, I'm in my late 50s, and I came into computing around the transition uh, away from mainframes, which I was somewhat involved in, and going local to the PC level. Uh, my early graduate school uh, days in the early 90s had to do with transferring a lot of data, whatever. At that time, uh, shortly before that, of course, you had the emergence of Apple, uh, for example, with this whole claim of let's take you know the power away from the big guys, whatever, let's put it down locally. And uh, where are you today? Well, where am I in terms of what? Um, Your relationship what? with computers and the internet. Well, I use them, I rely on them. My, my whole professional career has been uh, involved with working remotely, uh, working all over the world, etc. Uh, heavily, yeah, I use them heavily. Uh, Let me put this another the- way. Um, Tom, why are you calling? <laughs> yeah, here's the point. Uh, my question has to do with the emerging domination of, or the emerging trend toward the cloud. Uh, applications, Apple, for example, uh, companies forcing you into the cloud. So my question is, is uh, one, I don't see this as a trend that's reversing uh, as far as you know, data storage, sure. forcing you to connect into the cloud, etc. Uh, I'll take my and you and you. But my question specifically is: Will there be alternatives to the domination of the cloud as far as running your platforms? Bill Harlow, the domination of the cloud. Our caller wants to know if there will be alternatives to it. I think there will definitely be alternatives. I mean, you can still store stuff locally. Um, you you can certainly uh, run your own cloud, so to speak. I mean. There are products out there you can uh, put on your home network where you can store stuff and then use apps or uh, web interfaces so you can get to that pretty easily. Uh, but, yeah, the trend is from everybody I deal with, uh, it's, it's really convenient, works pretty well. They sure do make it uh, relatively affordable. So um, just, just for that alone. Well, you know, I remember when computers cost $5,000. Yeah. I mean, that was normal. That's you probably, And that was a bargain. Yeah, and, 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 and in 80s money, too. We're not talking yeah, about yeah. You know, 2015 it's, money. It's, and so I mean, the reason the clouds are because it's cheaper and faster and safer. Now, if you can come up with something that's cheaper and faster and safer that sits on your personal computer and your desk and your home, I just don't know how. But but also with the Internet being so ubiquitous, even wirelessly now, I mean, you know, that's another reason why I don't see the trend really reversing, except for you know certain niche applications. An explanation is necessary. We're getting calls asking, what is a Flash application and why was the panel booing when we refer to the flash. Well, let's go back to our friend Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, he saw some vulnerabilities in this flash. It's, there are still it's vulnerabilities. A, yeah. Not then, now. There yeah. are always vulnerabilities, yeah. and you have to keep it up to date. I think it's a technology owned by Adobe now. Is that right? Uh, yep. Yeah. It was a technology that um, 
uh, would, it, would enable tech, would enable. Uh, I think initially it was is um, uh, for movement on the screen. I think yeah, it was just animation. It was it's animation. for animation. It's but people soon found out that it was a great programming platform. Right. The problem is is that people can hack it and it's not safe. So questions were right. People were good. Uh, were right to call in to say, "Hey, why did you, why did you see that was not good?" Yeah. So in addition to security, though, it just it it generally performs much more uh, poorly than something written directly for your your Mac or or your PC. It doesn't run on any iPhone. It doesn't run on a lot of smartphones. So you're limited there. It just it was just an easy way for Honeywell to make something that can they can run on a Mac or PC and not have to program twice. And, and you may go to a website and say, "Well, you have to download Adobe Flash in order to run this," right. and you go, "Well." Don't want to. Well, because the other thing too is that somebody from uh, somebody else could hack into your, uh, you know, light system and say, "Ha, huh, I'm going to play with Bill's lights today," and uh, and it can get worse from there. Well, traveling at the end of the year, and that's where we're approaching, is always stressful. Are there tools or distractions out there to make it a little less so? Tell us, if you will, Allison, about Spencer. Oh, who pray tell is Spencer? <laughs> Spencer is a robot. This is so cool. Okay, in the Amsterdam airport, um, it turns out that the Amsterdam airport is so bad for people getting lost. Been there, been lost there. Okay, and it really getting so lost that they're missing flights. So KLM, one of the uh, one of the frequent um, air uh, large flyers carriers. Uh, um, funded the project in part because they were losing all their customers in this airport. So, <laughs> so is that the emphasis is Amsterdam Airport? Is that the emphasis? So basically, this is this really cool robot that you ask where a certain gate is. Not only will they, it will try and show you a map of it, but it will lead you to where you want to go. And if there's a group of you, so if Kojo and John and um, and Bill and I all are going together. It's going to it's going to take all of you together, and it's going to make sure that all of you stay together um, to get to that gate. And so it's a it's now. Well, how many Spencers are there? I'm seeing a Black Friday situation here. Oh my goodness! People all scrambling to get Spencer at the I same know. time. I know. Unfortunately, there is only one Spencer now testing in the Amsterdam airport. However, they we'll get some more after. I know it's true. <laughs> after the new year, um, they they think it will go out from testing to uh, to being fully implemented and honestly I can see a number of airports needing this in the future. It is so great wonderful. More Spencers everywhere What apps do you rely on to get from point A to point B smoothly give us a call 800-433-8850 go to our website kojoshow.org or send us a tweet at kojoshow. We're going to take a short break when we come back. We'll continue with the computer guys and gal. I'm Kojo Nandi. They're here, the computer guys and gal, John Gilroy, Alison Druin, and Bill Harlow. Speaking of whom, we got an email from Ken in Gaithersburg who writes, After hearing Bill Harlow recommend an ad blocker on your show a few months ago, I downloaded it and installed it, and I am grateful to him for talking about it. Yay! Yay, Bill! Yay, Bill! Is there a button there, though? My internet use is much faster and more pleasant than before, and I am amazed at the number of ads on some pages. 
Here's what you got to understand, Kim. We do not accept praise from people who are listening to this. <laughs> yes, we do. I do. Yes, yes, we do. If you're calling with a denunciation or criticism, that's fine. No. But if you want to email, okay, congratulations, no. Bill. You really gave good advice. That was an that, early Christmas gift. I appreciate on it. That giving a compliment on Giving Tuesday. Speaking of gifts, everyone, everyone knows a computer-loving guy or gal in their lives. Maybe there's that techie at work that you drew for a holiday gift exchange or your niece or nephew that just picked up programming. What gifts would you suggest? Let us start with Alison Druin. Because I have so many gifts I want you to buy me, okay? Invariably. Of course. Should I start with the faux fur-lined headphones? <laughs> yes, please. Don't <laughs> start with those. Okay, I am now commuting, okay, on the red line. It's cold, and it breaks down, and I have to walk to work from the red line. And I, I really need my headphones in to try and distract me as I'm walking to work. And, but I really could use those earmuffs on, too. So I think the combination of the faux earmuffs, I was see, they're a bit pricey, some of them. I um, saw that, yes. I know. So, But there's InnoHug that has these uh, uh, for about $99, too. And it's a little expensive. But, you know, Lord & Taylor's, I just noticed, has some as well, 50, closer to $50. So um, you can get those around. Um, there's also another little pricey thing um, that lets you do gesture recognition to control your world. Yeah. It's called Mayo Armband. Okay. It's from Thalic, uh, Thalmic uh, uh, Lab. And it does gesture recognition. So you put this armband on and you wave your arms around and suddenly you can you can flip slides. You can use your Netflix or your iTunes with gestures. And so you can tap. You can wave. You That's can normal. <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot. I'm going to send Kojo you away. You better learn how to control that. them. Because you're <laughs> yes. setting off things that you did not intend oh. to set off. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So then, you know, for the kids in the family. All right. You really got to think about how to not necessarily stick them in front of more screens, but how maybe that they might be able to build things and how it may how computing can actually be a really cool way of, you know, learning and playing at the same time. Um, I really like uh, Kano. It's $100. It's for kids six and up, and they build their own computer and then they can program it and do cool things. And so it helps kids learn um, their their tech, you know how tech works. And I un- thought kids already knew that stuff. Eh, no, actually, they know how to press a button. <laughs> okay? how to use it. They yes. really no, know how to true. press a button, and they know how to consume things. All right, but maybe my most favorite thing has to do with hoverboards. Ah, yes. Okay. All right. Now, you can certainly buy a hoverboard for under three hundred dollars, but you may have your hoverboard blow up on you. Um, it uh, it may. Um, overheat and meltdown, you may end up uh, uh, falling over it. Boy, these it, sound great. Yeah, this <laughs> is great. My worst so, enemy. And technically, hover, hoverboards don't hover. They're, um, they're actually segways without handlebars or like electric hands-free scooters, but they're really cool anyway. Um, and so, you know, if you could dump a thousand bucks, okay, um, Ninebot, Swagway, Plunky Dunk are some of the big brands and um, and they're pretty amazing, but you have to make sure your insurance is paid up. So, you know, when you go smack right into a wall, you're, you're okay. Well, are you planning to get yourself a hoverboard for the holiday season? I, I think maybe I just bought a house. I may have to go with the fur-lined earmuffs. Plunky Dunk, Plunky Dunk sounds like a rapper, doesn't Our it? Our producer, Ruth Tam, doesn't seem to favor them. She says that if you, you can get one that won't kill you, but it will cost <laughs> as much as $1,000. It Ooh. really will. It's true. I have to tell you that, in fact, I put it on there hesitantly. Um, because I don't want necessarily people to run out and get these things, but actually to warn people a little bit that 
it they sound really cool and obviously we're all in back to the future mode anyway but it's um they're not quite hoverboards yet if you see John Gilroy walking during the holiday season you might think he's on a hoverboard actually <laughs> walking he's not bill so I've got another suggest. way to spend a thousand bucks. If we start at the top end here, so I uh, uh, played around. Uh, this is maybe my Christmas list here. I played around with an iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil, oh. and it is phenomenal. Um, I uh, ever since I was a little kid with a, uh, a Koala Pad in the '80s to uh, messing with various Wacom tablets and screens, uh, I've been kind of obsessed with being able to draw on a screen and use uh, these uh, creative tools. And the iPad Pro is the best one I've ever used. Uh, it's just uh, the most responsive. Uh, it is really, really accurate. Um, you place it on the screen, it goes exactly there. There are no issues with calibration. It just works. How easy is it to lose the pen, though? Well, it, it's the size of, of an art, art pencil. Um, so you misplace that, you're out 99 bucks. <gasps> but Ooh. these things have always been expensive, and this this is the only one I've ever used where, where I immediately felt like this this is completely natural. So Will you give us some of your artwork that you've done? Sure, sure. D- you get me an iPad Pro, and I'll get right on it. <laughs> Uh, the, the other thing, a little more um, practical and affordable, um, there's a company called Anker, A-N-K-E-R, uh, and they make uh, some really handy tools for all your electronic devices since everything we use these days runs on a, on a rechargeable battery. Um, they make a PowerPort 10 USB charger. Uh, they make The 10 is the big one. They make them anywhere from, I think, three or four ports uh, on up. And you, you know, if you've got you know, an iPad or a smartphone or, or you know, various game consoles and, and, and uh, you know, portable game consoles with USB chargers, wireless headphones, you can get um, one thing for the entire family where you can plug everything in in one spot and it all charges really, really quickly. They also make portable ones um, like the PowerCore Plus line. And they go up to 26,800 in capacity. That one, to give you an idea, you can charge uh, Apple's new USB-C uh, MacBook uh, like three or four times with one of those. A, a laptop charging over a little portable battery. But you can also charge, obviously, your smartphone and other stuff. So when you're traveling and you're low on juice, you're in the airport. Rather than hunting for a power outlet, just uh, plug in your portable battery and off you go. Works for me. Woohoo! How about you, Mr. Gilroy? Well, I have a friend who needs a gift certificate, and it's a just kind of a sensitive topic here, but it's a gift certificate for a tattoo removal service. And I don't <laughs> recommend that. But that's what I like for Christmas is a gift certificate for a tattoo removal service for a friend of mine. That's all I'm going to say. Does it cost remember. a lot? <laughs> I hear it's very painful, though. <laughs> it's long sleeve season, I think. It's I think painful as Long sleeve thing? season? Hmm, just theoretically. Okay. What else do you have? <laughs> We're rejecting that gift. I'm not a big gift giver, you know. No, People make mistakes. I try to help them out. So okay, saying. well, give us an app of the month. App of the month. You know, a lot of people who listen to the show are at work. Some people listen to the podcast because they're at work, and they have to have some practical tips. If your job is collecting data, if you work for the park service and you're collecting data, you're out in the middle of nowhere, there's a company called CompWalk. It's got a little app for Windows 10 that works great. So if you're on a Surface Pro, you get a Windows 10, take this little app. It has to collect all kinds of da- different data. So that's the app of the month for me, CompWalk. CompWalk. Allison, what's your app of the month? FitBark Activity tracker. <laughs> Look at the difference here. You know, it's practical. <laughs> Fit bark Fit activity bark. tracker. Well, I okay. like the I like the words activity tracker. But go ahead. All right. Just remember, I have a new dog. I have to deal with my new dog. Okay. <laughs> it goes with my new house. All right. And so it turns out that this is an app and a little collar thing that you add on, which is like sort of a sensor. Um, is it easy for dogs to use? It's an IP device, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's IoT. Great. It's great. It's you know, the Internet of Dogs. It's the Fitbit <laughs> for dogs. But you know, okay. So what happens if you go and you you 
send your dog off for a weekend with somebody and you want to know if your dog's been sitting around all weekend, you know because you can look, you can upload all of this information. About Bad what, dog, what, you haven't no, done, done your workouts, <laughs> workouts while I was away. Exactly. So I have Kojo walks my dog for a weekend and then I have to check up on him, is that what you're saying? But you know, this is good for vets, for shelters, for trainers. I think this is a great thing, I'm telling you. People are put on their kids to see if they're sitting around or out there playing baseball. your dog's athleticism <laughs> over Jeez. the weekend. Brave new I world. I don't know, Bill, what you got? I got uh, Songza, which is a uh, website and also an app you can get for Android and iOS. And ah. I like them because they're free. It's a streaming music service. and they have ter- Adele approved? <laughs> That's no, the question. Uh, Adele mm. would, would find them to be quite Hello? naughty. But uh, they've got these curated playlists, and they're a great place if you're looking for some uh, festive holiday music. They've got a ton of playlists for that, organized by you know uh, genre. So... I like that a lot for my free holiday listening. And it's it's nice, too. It's not the same songs over and over and over. You're getting very popular. We have a listener named Michael who emailed, wants to know the, the ad blocker that Bill Harlow recommended. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can remember that. Can Bill remember Back to this. the notes from last month. <laughs> First, there's the memory app. <laughs> the memory app. I mean, the, the big ones are, I think, uh, Adblock and Adblock Plus. Uh, you can, if you do a search on, like, uh, um, Apple extensions or... Firefox. It's not the hardest thing to find. No, it's, it's not. They're quite popular, so they'll pop up awfully quickly. And the issue of virtual reality goggles. Here is Lynn in Bethesda, Maryland. Lynn, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Thanks for, thanks for having me. So I thought I heard something about a new virtual reality app that allows you to see endangered species. And the claim was, isn't this so much more eco-friendly than traveling to see the animals. Was that right? That was essentially it, yes. Okay, so uh, I would say that that's uh, not exactly correct. I mean, that sounds like a great marketing pitch. I'm in marketing, so I recognize one when I hear it. Um, Most of the people, if they're talking about making that eco-friendly, they should be bundling the sale with the purchase of green power because most people playing around with that app are not going to be doing a trade-off of, do I travel on safari or do I look at this app? So that's kind of a false trade-off. And, you know, the fact is, as we look at COP15, so much of the climate problem is due to residential power use. And all these apps, So you're saying that in the final analysis, John Gilroy's safari is more eco-friendly than the virtual goggles safari. Mm. Is no, that that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, saying that, that, that you company, can't compare the two. Exactly, and I'm saying that the company shouldn't be selling that as you know a green well, or an eco-friendly thing. I don't think the person who contacted us person. was a representative of the company. It yeah, was just somebody really. who I think had a who had an idea about doing that. Oh, you might be right. It might have been a representative of the company. Who knows? But thank you very much for your suggestion and your call, Lynn. We won't make that false comparison. Here, though, is Matt in Silver Spring about a travel app. Matt, your turn. Yeah, I, I, uh, earlier you were mentioning uh, apps uh, or devices that you use for travel, yep. uh, and I'm really excited to receive, hopefully, finally, this thing that I kickstarted uh, in the summertime, which is a Hear uh, audio listening uh, equipment. I'm not sure if there's like a, an addendum to their name. But um, if you're not familiar, it's essentially what it is. It's, it's um, you put it in your ear. It's not headphones. You don't play music, but it changes the sounds around you. So, for instance, if there's a baby crying on a plane, and I'm a, I, I travel a lot, so uh, I, I don't really enjoy the babies crying on the plane. You can sort of hit it so that it cancels out that frequency, 
while still, for instance, being able to hear the steward just ask you if you want a drink or something. Ah, John Goodwill is in favor of that app, I know that. (laughs) People would block me out. So basically, like, active earplugs, essentially, is what I'm hearing. They let sound in, and then you can kind of tune them to cut out what you don't want to hear. Like a filter. Thank you. If there's a John Gilroy mode, I'd be kind of curious. (laughs) And finally, here is Toby in Baltimore, Maryland. Toby, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Oh, thank you. I love your show. I'm not a techie, believe me, but I have a question. Um, I, I work with families of alcoholics all the time. I write books on alcoholism in the family. Am I allowed to say the name of my best book? But no, I guess not. Okay. The question I have is families, families of alcoholics were always going with somebody, breaking up, going back with them, breaking up, going back with Do they have in that thing you talked about on Facebook where you, you can erase all the pictures? Suppose you go back with them. Can you, can you have a button to restore them? <laughs> That's a the, tough one, huh? The rubber ball relationship, as it used to be known, how, yes, is that handled? Yes, yes. how is that now handled in the virtual world? Oh, wow. That is so He broke up, we made question. up. We broke up, we made up again. Wow. You I, know, I bet you can, but we should probably uh, look that up. We're going to look it up for you, but that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Facebook is looking it up even as we speak. The rubber ball bouncing back to the relationship app. Toby, thank you very much for your call. That's about all the time we have. Time enough to wish our computer guy and gal happy holidays. We'll start with Alison Druin because she has the longest title. She's professor at the (laughs) iSchool at the University of Maryland and special advisor for national digital strategy for the National Park Service. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, sir. Bill Harlow. He's a hardware and software technician for Max and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Early happy holidays. Thank to you, and Bill. same to you too. Thank you very much. And John Gilroy, he is director for business development for DLT Global Ventures. Happy early holiday to Festivus you. Festivus for the rest of us. That's what I celebrate. And thank you all for listening. I'm Coach Onan. WAMU 88.5 is your listener-supported NPR news station in the greater Washington, D.C. region. You can support the Kojo Namdi Show and all the regional coverage you value by becoming a member today. Click the Donate button at WAMU.org and thanks.